0: Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Matthew chapter 10 verses 16 and 17, Jesus is sending out his disciples and he says to them, and I'm reading from the English Standard here. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you on Facebook. No, wait a minute. In the synagogues, their synagogues. How many of you know that that's where we get flogged today is Facebook, Twitter, etc. That's where we get trolled. All right. This morning, for just a few minutes, I want to talk about that going forward, we need to be as shrewd as serpents in an insane world. You know, when I was in the army, we had something that I just thought was the coolest thing. It was, uh, it was called, they call it, now they call it night vision. There are ocular devices, you know, the aviators have one kind uh, grunts, I mean, infantry We had a different kind. We used to call them starlight. Some of you may recall that, but now it's just called night vision. And there are several different kinds. It could be light amplification. It could be thermal imaging. It could be infrared illumination. The first time I ever saw infrared illumination, I thought it was so cool because you can turn on this infrared. It's a light, but it can't be seen with the naked eye because it's out of the wavelength. And you turn it on, and it's just as if nothing happened. You click it. And not like that, but if you're looking through night vision, it's just like you turned on a floodlight and you can see everything, you know, in front of you. And the whole point of night vision was to make things which were undetectable suddenly become detectable. Things, you know, and, and when that is the case, when you can see at night... Perfectly for all intents and purposes, even if it's just green and dark green Then it makes it very difficult for the enemy to sneak up on you It makes it very difficult for him to maneuver without you noticing Now the world around us is a complete mystery to many And even if it's not a mystery they think they've got it figured out, but they don't if they're not doing it by the scripture The scripture is our night vision. It pulls back the curtain to mix my metaphors. It pulls back the curtain to show us what's really happening and who is really at the controls. Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18. We've been hitting this. Read this way again from the English standard. Finally, and we all know when a preacher says finally what it means. Nothing at all. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the methods, the plans, the activities. That word method means all those things of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do wrestle, but not against flesh and blood. Our enemy is is the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, for that reason, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, everybody say done. That means there's stuff to do you know we know this isn't magic it's faith all right you know it's like you know uh, i remember my when i was a kid uh one of the guys i you know when i was at high school one of the guys i knew who had graduated two years ahead of me had purchased a dune buggy and it was basically just a, a volkswagen beetle uh chassis engine transmission drivetrain all that stuff you know with some yeah you know, they'd taken the you know, the beetle body off of it and put some fiberglass on it and everything. And the thing hadn't run in years, you know. And uh, uh, George, we called him Chimpy because he looked like a monkey to everybody. But anyway, Chimpy, well, well, I'm just telling the truth. And Chimpy goes, you know, come up, you know, and he didn't just wave his hand over it and say, run. That's magic. What he did was he took the plugs out, he started going through it. And all this kind of stuff. And I'll never forget, I was standing there when he tried to fire it up for the first time. And he said, and I quote, By all rights of automotive engineering and internal combustion engine mechanics, this thing should start. And it did not. (laughs) But then he discovered he had the timing off as he did a little bit more work on it. And then he backed off and he spoke the same word over it and it fired up. We were amazed, and we went riding around heaven a really big time in it. You got to where you didn 't want to ride with him because he might kill you, but anyway, it's, there's things to do that that thing didn't fix itself. Faith is acting, it's behaving as if the Word of God were true, Amen. acting on that word, being doers of the word. So he said it's, "Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all." to stand firm stand firm therefore or, or stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as for the shoes of your feet and we've discussed this I don't want to take a lot of time here today having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and in all circumstances taking up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all The flaming darts of the evil one. We discussed last week that the language there indicates that the shield is the epitome of all of these things working together. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We spoke last week on sword and shield. And to that, you know, and praying at all times. Amen. Amen. With all prayer, all manner of prayer, all kinds of prayer and supplication. Askings. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. What we are seeing in the natural realm, in our government, in our culture, in the world around us, is nothing more than a reflection or a manifestation of the hidden world that is just below the surface. These wicked spirits, principality, if you want to, you know, is, uh, how do I call them here? uh rulers authorities again uh cosmic powers over this present darkness spiritual forces in the uh, uh, of evil in the heavenly places are influencing government they're influencing culture they're influencing the banking system they're influencing education they're influencing every single facet of our culture taking us back if possible to paganization worshiping them rather than worshiping God all right and verse 12 Right there, what does it say? For we, you know, but when we says it, we wrestle against that. What is verse twelve telling us? It is telling us put on the night vision of Scripture, so you can see who your real enemy is. And it's becoming increasingly obvious that they're active as we get nearer to the end. Without going into the details, the the scriptures are quite clear. Daniel tells us that these watcher class, as I call them spirits, these demonic controlling princes are over entire nations. You remember that uh, Gabriel had to fight with the Prince of Persia, where was Daniel? He was in Persia he had to wade through that, and he told him the Prince of Greece is coming, of course that was Alexander the Great, and he didn't call he didn't say Alexander the Great is coming he said that wicked spirit that that Watchers class spirit, that mighty fallen spirit that is controlling Greece, is coming, and in Revelation 16, uh, or yeah, 13 and 14, we see that. And I saw coming out of the mouth of the dragon, and out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits like frogs. It doesn't say they were frogs. There's just something about them. They're reminding them of frog. For they are demonic spirits performing signs. Now, look at this who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of God, all the Almighty. What is that? Those spirits went out to influence kings, those spirits went out to steer whole nations to. Uh, in in the direction that they want him. Is that already happening? Absolutely. Absolutely positively. And if you know the scriptures, it doesn't take but a nanosecond for you to figure out who is pulling the strings in DC. Alright? Now it's easy within that situation to overlook that what God is doing in the midst of it. I remind you that it is the that the, the last book of the new testament is entitled the revelation of jesus christ not the revelation of lucifer or satan god is the one who everything is going according to his end plan and or end game i should say and the enemy is forced to walk the path that god leaves open for him how many of you've ever been in a fun house You know, it's got mirrors and all this kind of stuff. And it looks like it can go this way. And it looks like it can go this way. But actually, there's only one way through. Oh, that's the devil. He's got one way through. And he may try to convince you otherwise. But I promise you, he is on a leash. The God of this world does, to some people, seem to be fully in control. But I declare to you that that is not true. Not by a long shot that said we know from that scripture Ephesians 6 10 through 18 that when it says wrestle we do have a conflict we do have struggle there is a fight and that means we have to exert spiritual force everybody say faith back as the enemy comes to attack we see the spirit of Antichrist doing his very best to Uh, invoke his totalitarianism even here in the West. I assure you, if the government gets its central bank uh, digital currency fully involved, they will know everything you've done, everything you've bought, everything you've spent, and they will also have the ability to turn it off at will. Restricting what you can buy, restricting where you can go, and all of those things. Turning us into an absolute surveillance state and canceling all opposition. Somebody said they wouldn't do that. Ask the truckers in Canada. We can, as, and we are, as citizens of heaven, called to push back. I'm talking spiritually here today, not politically. Alright? Politic, the Political is a manifestation of the spiritual. And that means we don't give up, we don't throw, up the ta- throw in the towel, we don't get discouraged when the culture seems to be unresponsive. Because I'm here to tell you that our God knows how, uh, what did Gene used to say, uh, and I say this to our culture, if you have a harder head, God has a bigger hammer. <laughs> we are celebrating day after tomorrow, the 4th of July, in Congress, July 4th. And if you don't know much about American history, you will know that when our let me inform you that our when our forefathers declared independence from Great Britain, the United Kingdom was in with the exception of their arch enemy, France, the mightiest power in the world. They had a huge army dressed in red. And a very formidable navy. When these guys got up and said, "You know, we declare. You know, King George. You know, stuff it. We're we're declaring our we're declaring our independence." That seemed crazy. Not only were they telling the strongest nation on earth with the biggest army and the biggest navy and all this kind of stuff, "You go take a long walk off a short pier. We're done with you." Uh, they. They also were try- doing everything they could to hold their own, our own nation together. Because we had loyalists, Tories within the nation who decided to go fight with the British. And informa, And believe me, the first few years of the, revela- of the revolution, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of good news. There were sporadic victories, but it took 18 years. Years from the time that uh, the first clash between the Redcoats and the colonials, the militia, until the last Redcoat was departing the United States of America. They had finally gotten, we'd finally gotten our act together, Cornwallis was defeated, etc., and they left until 1812. We had to beat them again. It was a struggle it was painful it took time and it was costly and at times there was bad news and we must not look around us and make the determination that all is lost because I assure you it is not because I like what Jean used to say in another thing when she said God hasn't voted yet you know and I believe he is voting Even now. All right. Now, I want to use a biblical example of how God can still be in the middle of stuff. And he's taking things along and getting what he wants done, done. And he reaches his intended purpose, even though all along the way, it looks like anything else but that is actually happening. You know, um, we, you know, every, let's, let's go back to the first monarchy of Israel. Saul ben Kish was the king. And if there was ever a failed presidency, this was it. All right. He didn't obey God. He started off well, but got off track. He was easily swayed by public opinion rather than divine direction. And in fact, by 1 Samuel 15, even though he had disobeyed and Samuel the prophet's looking for him to give him a rather strong word from the Lord, he finds him arrogantly building monuments to himself after immediately following his disobedience. We also see that after David was anointed, that it says an evil spirit from Yahweh came to, to torment Saul. May I suggest to you that... The anointing didn't leave Saul. Saul left the anointing. Do you understand me? Because Samuel even said to him, if you had obeyed, your kingdom would have been established. But since you didn't obey, it's going to be taken from you and given to someone better than you. Someone who will obey me. Someone who will do what I say. And as a result of that, and when David was, you know, he had slain Goliath, Or or, I'm getting it out of order. You know, Samuel had told him that the oppression started coming. I mean, Saul's hand was on the kingdom and everything was oppressed. He instituted CBDCs. He, you know, did all the stuff that you could do in the ancient world. He monitored cell phone and text communications, etc. All right. And if you don't believe it. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now Yahweh said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? We got a word like that today. Don't look behind us. The nation in which we grew up is gone. What we need now is God to build. Everybody say amen. amen. He says... How long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have selected a king for myself from among his sons. Now listen to what Samuel says. But Samuel said, how can I go? When Saul hears of it, he will kill me. It had gotten so heavy. That the man of God, the prophet of God, Samuel, one of the greatest judges that the the kingdom had ever known was in fear of his life. And what did God say? He said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to Yahweh. So in other words, God gave Samuel cover under which he could move to get his will done. Now I know there are people who think that because he's doing the will of God, he should just walk up there and he should glow in the dark and anything the enemy does should just bounce off of him. But that is not the way God works. And and that's why it's so important for us to listen to the Holy Spirit, not be presumptuous, because there are a lot of things God does subtly. Amen. Think about... Mary and Joseph. Angel appeared in an, in the in a dream to Joseph and said, "Get up, take the child, and, and get out. Get out of Dodge. Go to Egypt. For the child's life will be in danger." It says he got up in the middle of the night to get out to to, to leave uh Nazareth to go to Egypt. All right, and you know, so what you. Know, I mean you know that Herod would come looking to kill the children let me tell you something Saul slew eighty five priests at Nov because they had helped David when he was escaping they had no idea they were doing it they gave him the showbread Jesus made reference to it they gave him the sword of Goliath which was in the tent because they didn't have anything they were in such haste and Uh, Doeg the Edomite was there and told Saul about it. Saul called the priests up there and said, Why did you help my enemies? They go, Hey, we didn't, we didn't know. You know, you sent David out on all kinds of missions and suddenly you expect us like that. He killed every one of them. And just to make sure everybody understood how powerful and how wicked the government was, he went to their city and burned it to the ground, killed all of their women and children and even their animals. No, repressive government is not new. Saul didn't just ignore God. The government didn't just make, ignore Yahweh. It made itself his enemy. But when Saul was... Now listen to this. Saul was killed, of course, at the Battle of Gilboa. And Judah immediately made David king at Hebron. And in fact, in second, you know, uh, we'll get to that. Um, I'm am trying to get ahead of myself, and I don't want to do that. I want to relax. I'm a little too pumped. <laughs> the uh, you know, less coffee. <laughs> I really didn't have that much. Um, after the Battle of Gilboa, Saul was killed. Um, Jonathan was killed. The other other uh, sons of Saul, with the exception of one, were killed. And so Judah immediately called David out of Ziklag and said, come up and, and reign over us. Come up and be king. And they made him king. But the northern ten tribes did not do so because they had a military commander named Abner of Nair. And he made himself strong in Israel because he saw an opportunity to rule and reign and be the boss we've never seen anything like that happen have we (laughs) and so he ruled for five years and then things were getting away from him and so he thought well i've got to do something in order and in fact it says there uh... in second samuel three and six it came about that there was war between the house of saul and the house of david that Abner was making himself strong in the house of Saul. But what happened was David's forces kept getting stronger and stronger. And Abner's forces were losing their punch because there was no anointing. And so and the people were beginning to grumble. And so Abner said, I got to do something. So what he decided to do was he decided to take one of Saul's uh, his remaining son, who was a Wimpedite from the word go. And make him king. His name was Ishbosheth. And he made Ishbosheth king, which made it look completely legitimate because he was a son of Saul. Okay, we understand that the protector thing wasn't working. And so now here is the offspring of your king. He is the king. All the time, Abner is in the background pulling his strings. And so Ishbosheth was nothing but a stooge and a front man we've never seen anything like that here <laughs> ever not here and so after after i don't know a year and a half coming up on two years ish bit the hand that fed him he started feeling like you know i'm i'm really the king no you're not no no listen to me i'm the king and it says in second samuel three seven through nine are you getting anything out of this don't you just love the Bible yeah. now Saul had a concubine now what's a concubine a concubine is a woman who functioned as a wife but was not fully a wife so in other words she and Saul you know it was not unusual for ancient kings to have all kinds of concubines in addition to wives David did and Solomon was off the meter all right whose name was Rizpah, and the daughter of Aiah and Ishbosheth. Said to Abner. Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Now why would he care? Because just as we see a little bit, a little bit later. With, with David in his situation. That by going into the king. By, by lying with Saul's concubine. ish saw that as perhaps an opportunity. For Abner to rise up. And say I am the rightful king. I have Saul's household has been given to me and so he's questioning him. and it says then Abner was very angry over the words of Ishmael and said am i a dog's head that belongs to judah today i show kindness to the house of saul your father to his brothers and his friends and have not delivered you into the hands of david yet today you charge me with guilt concerning a woman now listen to this well may god do so to abner more also, if, as Yahweh has sworn to David, I do not accomplish this for him. Abner knew. Do you see it? The whole time he was doing maneuvering and he, was, he went from being the protector to being the shadow government. He knew the whole time what God had said to David. David. He knew what God had decreed. You think people in high positions who are corrupt don't know? They do. They do. Well, we know what happened. Eventually, Abner came to David to pledge his fealty and all that. Both Abner and Ishbosheth were assassinated. And when, you know, as you know, Abner consolidated power and just grew. But then at seven years in, the elders of Israel came and present came to David and presented themselves. And I want you to listen to this second Samuel chapter five verses one through three. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, behold, you are bone, your bone. Uh, we are your bone and flesh previously, When Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and in. And Yahweh said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel. What? They knew. They knew. Do you believe that it is possible yet for our God to move in such a way? on the West, and on our nation in particular, that people will eventually, maybe grudgingly, maybe stubbornly, come and say and admit what they know. And that is all of this stuff is garbage, lawlessness, and rebellion. And you elixir, you will shepherd my people Israel and you will be ruler over Israel. So all the elders verse three came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them before Yahweh at Hebron, and they anointed David king over Israel. I want you to think about this this was over this was anywhere from 15 to 20 years after, well no wait a minute, David was anointed probably around age 15. He started ruling in Hebron at age uh, 30 and this was seven years later. That had to seem like an absolute eternity. All that time running from Saul. But the enemy always overplays his hand. I remember one time David was running from Saul and Saul had him. I mean he had him dead to rights and just as they were getting ready to attack a messenger came and told Saul of an incursion by the Philistines and Saul went ah, because he had to, he had to uh, break off from chasing David to go take care of the Philistine incursion now it would seem to me that the devil would be smart enough to tell the Philistines to hold off until Saul got finished finishing off David but no, I'm telling you, saints, the devil is not the tactician. Some people think he is. In fact, if, you know, when the enemy comes to you and talks to you, you've heard this before, but it is so true. And he says, oh, your future is dark. He's going the devil. You want to talk about the future? Let's talk about yours. And let's talk about, you know, if you want to talk about the past, let's talk about yours. You're not too smart. Amen. This is just a brief synopsis of all the drama that David endured. Then and later, I was, you know, I mean, the the skullduggery, the intrigue. Remember when Avitar and I think it was Sadok were operating as uh, spies or messengers for David when Avshalom, his son, had taken over. And they were running from from Avshalom's men and they came out. Uh, I think it was in Bahurim. they came to a farm and told the people, they're about to get us, hide us. And they stuck them down in a well, put a top over the well, and then spread grain around it so it looked like it had been undisturbed for days. Where are they? And the wife said, they went that way toward the fords. Go and overtake them. And they went chasing them. Of course, they didn't get. And so here they are hiding. Men of God. Priests. Who are on a mission from God. To help. David, get away from his son, and they're having to hide in a well. You know, sometimes God takes things in a direction that we find ignominious, uncomfortable, or why do I have to do that? How I many of you with me? God accomplished His purpose, even though David had no idea how it was going to happen. Just because the enemy moved here and moved there and did this stupid thing and that stupid thing, you know, caused this rebellion, slew people that didn't deserve to die. But God's man did not give up. He got discouraged, make no doubt about it. But he didn't give up. Just like the 7,000 in Elijah's day who refused to bow their knee to Baal and refused to kiss his mouth. Everybody say amen. amen. It is incumbent upon us to pray, to believe God, and to stand with him. Well, that's what it said in Ephesians six eighteen: praying at all times in the spirit. Saints, we stand at the, at the threshold. In fact, I think we've already crossed it. When you're flying, and I went flying for the first time. I flew an airplane for the first time in 13 years last week and how it was wonderful and i was able to get it up just like i was supposed to do the maneuvers i even landed the thing without assistance and it was hot yeah. but you know uh and my instructor who's they've been to church here that the he said okay this is the whole short line because i didn't know that airport very well he said you taxi out like this and you hold short right there and it's a half hold short line and you sit there and wait for ground control to tell you come on in Well, what was it coming up on three years ago? No, four. the Lord showed us the acceleration is underway, that we're, we're, you know, that things are speeding up. And just like every other acceleration, the acceleration starts off more slowly and then begins to pick up speed. The acceleration increases. Right. And I believe we're no longer at the hold short line we've crossed over. And so from this point forward, I'm telling you, we've already seen a big change just since the first of the year. But I promise you, by December 31st, we ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to be very different. all right. And you're going to be glad you know Jesus. And you're going to be glad you're walking with Jesus. And you're going to be glad you're obeying Jesus. Amen. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the circumstances. And believe me, how many of you have ever... Uh, When you were a kid, remember before they some of you you guys are so young, a lot of you you don't even remember what a car was like before they invented air conditioning for a car. (laughs) First couple of cars my parents had did not have air conditioning. You know, I remember when they bought an aftermarket air conditioner and put in our 1962 Chevrolet Nova 400, you know, and man, you turn that thing on that little six cylinder lost about a third of its power. And we were running with a Powerglide two-speed transmission anyway. So it's was like, you know, but man, it was, you know, my dad even told me one time they were sitting in a, or no, it wasn't my dad. It was my uncle Roy was talking about one time they were there in Okima or Oak or someplace like that. And they were sitting in a gas station. And when they pulled in, when they were pulling into the gas station, there was somebody that nobody in the car liked sitting there and they had their windows rolled up because they had air conditioning. And so they said, we, when we saw that, we rolled up our window and sat there and acted like we had air conditioning he said they pert and air melted <laughs> you know that's pride gone to seed folks you know dear Lord but you know one of the things that when we would be going down we lived in Tulsa I grew up in Tulsa and my uh, maternal grandparents lived in Henrietta which was right down 75 the B line, as we used to call it and uh, it was about an hour's trip and then my dad's family Uh, lived in, in Okima, which wasn't too far away. And we would be driving down. And when you're eight years old, an hour's ride in the car is an eternity. And so that's when I learned about aerodynamics. Because I'd hang my hand out the window, and when I would turn it in an upward attitude, it, the air the, the, would push it up. And when I turn it in a downward attitude, there would. And so, you know, how many of you have ever passed a car with a kid's hanging head, going, yeah, 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 <laughs> like that, and everything. And if you turn it like this, rawr, why? That's called drag. And one of the things about aircraft is you look all over it when they design it to try to reduce drag as much as possible. Because drag slows you down. Drag is parasitic. You remember standing a parasite, parasitic, right? So is disobedience. Disobedience is parasitic. It will suck the faith right out of us. Disobedience will not stay at home. It will metastasize. If we walk, and we're going to talk about this, not today, but if we, it is imperative. No, is it imperative we be perfect? No. None of us is perfect. None of us will be perfect uh, this side of heaven. But we're growing. God doesn't expect you to know everything and do everything correctly. But he does expect us to be giving it our best effort. And when we know, we do. Everybody say Amen. You know, if I'm baking a cake and I don't know anything about baking cakes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to very carefully follow the directions. You know, there's a... Aircraft are very complex machines. And there is a lot to remember. That's why they give the pilot a checklist. And you go down that checklist meticulously. Why? You don't want to find out somewhere in flight that you missed that and now you have a serious problem. Well, that's okay. just pull over to the side of the road and turn on your flashers. <laughs> I don't think so, Bob. You know And you know it, it's like you're flying along, just minding your own business, but you're keeping the, out of the corner of your eye, you know that at some point, that instructor's hand's going to come over and grab that throttle and yank it all the way down to idle and say, "You just had an engine failure. Get it down. He did it. Oh, wait, he told me he was going to do it. You know, and so I said, I'm going to go over there because it it was a field that had clearly it was a wheat field that had been mowed. It had been harvested like that. And I was too high and too fast. And I said, well, I'm going to overshoot that. And I don't want to hit with this low airspeed. I don't want to try to do a turn. And the wind was not a problem. And so I said, I'm going for that one. Kicked it into a forward slip. and somebody coming. He said, OK. This is good enough. I tell you what, there's nothing more wonderful to somebody falling out of the sky than the sound of that engine coming back online. (laughs) We are not falling out of the sky. It may look like it, but we are not. And we will not allow parasitic disobedience to keep us from fulfilling. Why? Because we have opportunity. To have an outsized impact. On this world around us. And that's the way God always does it. He always uses a remnant. Yes. Hallelujah. And it's not. And believe me. Being in the remnant. Ain't comfortable. But it is so productive. Okay. Read a couple of scriptures here in. We'll be, we'll be sort, sort of done. I have the field, okay? We're bringing it in for a landing. All right, it was a great week. I, just, I was so thrilled to be able to get back in the air. It was, it was, it was awesome. It had been 13 years. Oh. We got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Proverbs chapter 9 and verse 10. The fear of Yahweh, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It is our night vision you know you'll be reading through the scriptures and you'll be thinking you know you know it it doesn't seem to be anything special it doesn't seem to be anything that necessarily speaks to you right at this time but you do read it and you meditate on it as the Lord would have you and all that and then you'll be amazed at how later you come into a situation and those scriptures come back to you and say wow you know, it's like the Holy Spirit knew what he wrote there and remembers it. Okay. Now let's go down to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 6 through 9. For Yahweh gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. We're going to talk about that in a, in a week or two. Listen to this guarding the paths of justice. We do not choose our own path. If we choose our own path, we have no guarantee. But if we walk his path, he said, I've cleared this way for you. That mean there won't be trouble. That mean there won't be attacks. That mean there won't be hardship. It means he is there in the midst of it to get us through. Guarding the paths of justice, he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern, everybody say discern, Discern. righteousness and justice and every good. What? Course. The first two words with similar meaning are path and course. Path here is used of the predetermined plan of action. God's plan. God has a plan for you. Let me say that again. God has a plan and a purpose for you. And for this church for that matter. Going forward. And those who are on God's path for themselves. Will be, are being and will continue to be preserved david is our example of how god he knew god's direction even the and his purpose even though he didn't know what god was doing at all times in fact there was a lot of times god probably well no i'm guarantee you that david said i i don't understand what's going on here and if you don't believe it just read the psalms all right but then it says you will discern and we'll talk more about that again here uh here's the praise of it now, here's what's got to understand. Discernment doesn't mean you know everything. A lot of people think that discernment means okay, I know exactly what's happening here. You may never know exactly what's happening here. Are you with me? it's not necessarily important for you to know everything that's happening here in fact God is the most tightly compartmentalized military commander I have ever dealt with in my life he never leaves his cards uncovered they are he only tells people what they need to know when they need to know it and that is a safeguard because if I don't know too much then it is much more difficult for me to get my myself out in front of him or in trouble. How many of you with me? Ignorance is, you know, we're not talking about ignorance in the sense of, you know, ignorant of the word of God. We may not know exactly what he's doing. I want you to think about the the 12 apostles. They had no clue. Jesus got up and talked to him about death, burial, and resurrection over and over and over. And then after the crucifixion, they're all huddled. Nobody at the tomb, nobody waiting for Jesus to come out. No signs. Welcome back, Jesus. No, where are they? They're all huddled in Jerusalem with the doors locked, thinking, they killed Jesus, more next. Then the women come and say, we've seen him, we've seen him. And they said, you're nuts. They did. They said, you're crazy. You're having hallucinations. Go soak your head. And when Jesus did appear in their midst, he rebuked them for failing to believe the women. Well, if he understood ministry, he wouldn't have sent a woman with that kind of message. Boy, I'm out stepping on some toes now. The women were the ones who were at the tomb. When the guys from Emmaus came back and said. We saw him. We saw him. We saw him on the road. He talked to us. We're not our hearts burning with it. Like and they said. Yeah. Some women came and told us. Weird stuff. About his. Seeing him and everything. Then he appeared in their midst. Testing their bladder control. <laughs> ah! Well they were. The Bible says they were shocked and, and scared you will discern doesn't mean we will know everything what is the most important thing for you and for me to discern the most important thing for us to discern is the heart of god not all the phenomenology not all the events i believe god will clue us in on that as well to some extent but it's the most important thing is for us to say so focused on him that no matter all the flack and all the crazy things that are happening around us, that we are so focused on Jesus, we are discerning the direction he wants us to go. The things he would have us to do if our musicians would come. Then we in there in Proverbs chapter three. Now, wait a minute. I want to read this. this is a real encouragement. When David was getting ready to build the temple and Nathan came back and said, nope, you're not the one. It's in 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 8 and 9. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to David, my servant, this thus says Yahweh of hosts. I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, Israel. Now, listen to this. I have been with you wherever you have gone. We've got to believe that, saints, that our God goes with us everywhere we go. Well, I don't feel, I am seem, and if God's, and just like Gideon in the wine press, if Yahweh's really with us, why have all these things happened to us? And did you notice, if you've been with us on Wednesday night, that when he asked that question, the angel of the Lord, Yahweh, number two, didn't say, well, here's a list of the things that are, you know, happen." or the reasons for all the stuff that's happening. He didn't even talk about that. He said, okay, listen, we are not going. We add the word. We're not looking at the past, Gideon. We're looking ahead. Wow, cool. I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and I will make your great you a great name like the names of the great men who are on the earth but the next thing he told him is it is not for you to build my temple I can see David's response I wanna build it I wanna build it I wanna build it I don't care I'm gonna do it no David didn't do that because he had watched another king disobey And he had kind of gotten in the ditch himself in a couple areas, and so he said, "All right." So what did he do? He laid up all the stuff that Solomon would ever need to get it done. Well, that he could. All right. So we go to Proverbs chapter three, uh, three, verse five. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Do not lean on your understanding. Yeah, but if I do that, then that lean not on your own understanding. Lord, you do understand that if I do this, that lean not on your own understanding. I can't believe that I actually have to do this. I mean, that means lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways. Everybody know what all is? When you go on a bus trip with a bunch of students, you take 35 students over to the Nelson Natkins Art Center to look at the giant shuttlecock and everything. And you had 35 little kids get off of the bus. How many is all when you get back on? 35, not 34. We don't pick and choose. Where's Jimmy? I don't know. Serves him right. Bus driver take off. (laughs) Somebody's going to jail. All right. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your what? Paths. There it is again. Straight. Don't think yourself smarter than God. That's what this next phrase means. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh. Turn away from evil. Look at this. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Saints, I want to be active. I want to be mentally sharp, I want to be agile in the things that God does over the next few years. I don't want to be sitting in an easy chair going, I can't get up. Would I rather be Aaron's age when all this is happening? Are you kidding? Of course, but I'm not. I'm not in my thirties or forties or fifties, I'm in my late sixties for crying out loud, But. He says, it will be health to all my body, to my bones. We read it earlier. I will mount up with wings as eagles and my youth will be renewed. Turn to somebody and say, oh my God, he's going to be out of control. (laughs) Out of the devil's control. And every one of us will be. Let's all stand. Are you encouraged? Praise God. Those of you watching by web, God bless you. We appreciate having you with us. And we want to encourage you to seek the Lord. If you are not a Christian, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. But even before we get to the retirement program, there is this life to live. And the scripture says that those who are not Christians are subject to the God of this world of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience you can look that up it's Ephesians chapter 1 or uh, Ephesians 2 verses 1 and 2 but when you turn to Jesus when you believe in your heart and confess with your lips that God that he is the son of God and that God the father has raised him from the dead and you cry out to him Lord Jesus come into my heart I believe you Be my Lord. The scripture says you will be born again. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. Again, not looking to the past. There is nothing the blood of Jesus cannot wash. Nothing. And you will be transferred from under the dominion and boot of the devil into the kingdom of the son of the living God. I encourage you to do that. Don't wait another minute. Do it right now. Freeze this... This, this recording and, and seek the Lord. Christian, this is not a day to pick and choose our obediences. The parasitic drag of disobedience will cause some people to be left behind because God's going on. The Lord told us that in this congregation over 20 years ago. And so we wanna stay with him. We want to see His will done. I encourage you, all in, all the time, sell out. Why? Because we haven't got long uh, left in this world. I was just thinking the other day about some famous person that died. And they didn't, from everything I could tell, they didn't know God. And there is no doubt about what he thinks about his personal life Now, he sees it very clearly. There is a heaven to gain. And I want to stand before the throne and hear the words, well done. Not, what were you thinking? Get in, Saint of God. Get in. Get in church. Get active. Get, you know, start ministering financially. Start ministering with your talents. Start ministering with your time. You are needed. God has a plan and a ministry for you. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone, available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.